and sending yep. them off to camp or having a rhythm of sending them off to camp. We have so many kids who return to Camp Rivercrest over and over and over. And every year they get a new voice, a new speaker, a new cabin leader, counselor, who uh, all these people investing in their kid's life. And uh, that's going to have a, a, a really big impact over time, especially, but even one time potentially could just be life-changing, transformational. And if you're a parent who wants that kind of thing for your kid, then th- these are the places to send them. We, yeah. don't, we don't have time to waste. Andy Dykehouse, welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast. Thanks for having me. This is going to be a blast. Now, we are in a, what do you call this place? It's a resort? Hotel, conference resort, center. conference center type. We're sitting out in the hallway, so we're not going to be screaming, so we're going to keep, we're going to do our NPR voices. NPR. There we go. I like it. There we go. Andy, introduce yourself to my listeners who are pastors of small churches and the mission of the 200 Churches podcast and 200churches.com is ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. So that's what I'm going to ring out of you is ministry encouragement for small church pastors. 200 or less? Uh, a church of 200, give or take 100 or two. Okay. That's how That's how I... <laughs> okay, got it. That's how I define it. So introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks. So yeah, I'm the executive director at Camp Rivercrest is my position. I've uh, been there three and a half years. Uh, married, have four kids, all of them teenagers right now. Uh, a couple in college, a couple in high school at the moment, and uh, they're a blast as well. My wife works at Christ Community Church in Omaha. That's bigger than 200. It's a little bigger <laughs> than 200. We've been doing ministry our whole lives together in some form or fashion, and uh, that's that's what we're up to. You are busy with those kids. Indeed. Those two in college, two in, any in middle school? school? No Both more in middle school. school. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So, Andy... The church you grew up in, what size was it? Probably around 300-ish. Okay. That'd be my guess. That's that's give or take 100 or two. We're, we're right in the zone. Yeah. So that so did you literally grow up from when you were, were an infant all the way up through? I've grown up from a very young age, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was born in the basement and never brought up. I see. <laughs> <laughs> but did you attend the same church? Yes, up and up through I left for college. I was at the same Christian Reformed Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Grand Rapids, you were you're a you're a CRC guy. I am. Oh my! I this, know. You know, this is so funny. Last week, I had a CRC pastor Get on a different podcast. But yeah, the two CRC pastors in a row. Yeah. Well, That's crazy. I, yeah. Never pastored in the CRC, but I grew up in the Christian Reform Yeah, church. but it's in your blood. You it know is, it is. It is, and I'm grateful for that upbringing, for sure. Do I have to do like the sign of the cross before we do this podcast or anything like that? Never did that in the CRC You don't do church. that? No, uh-uh. Well, you do weird things, though. What weird things do you do? Come on, Well, they it. hang banners on either side of the... I thought that I was kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> so I spent 14 years in Orange City, Iowa with... CRC churches and CRC pastors and RCA, Reformed Church in America, pastors and churches. And Dutch people. And Dutch people. Which is, I am. I am one of them. You're one, you're one of the Dutch people. Yeah. And you're tall. Tall, blue hair, blue eyes and blonde hair. It's the Blue hair only when you were in high school, yeah. right? <laughs> Maybe someday again. I don't know. So I grew up in New York State and we lived in New York 
we were in New York for 10 years at a church in the Albany, New York area. And my kids knew that when they needed to look for me, and they just looked across the lobby, yep. and whatever the tallest head was, that was going to be me. And then I moved to Orange City. And I'm an average height. <laughs> right. At six foot two, I'm average in gotcha. Orange City. Are there lots of people with last names like mine, Dykehouse? Um, a Van de Zandsculpt, Van Riggenmorter, uh, um, I'm looking Klein for Dykemas and Dykstras and Dykstra houses. Dykstras. Okay. D- yeah, Dykstra. Yeah, see? That's that was right. normal. Now I'm a weirdo, you know? <laughs> yeah, right? I know. <laughs> I know. So I sometimes I, may, I met a person the other day, his last name was Williams. Mm. I'm like, oh, that's a nice East Coast name, right? Mm. A European name. Well, of course, the Dutch are European as well. But now all those Dutch names, they sound very common to me. They roll right off my tongue. Yeah, well done. 14 years. So you mentioned Camp Rivercrest. It is a camp, what, on the east side of Nebraska? Yes. Yes? Tell us a little bit about the camp and what you do there. Yeah, so it was started in 1958 uh, by, you know, pastors in the in the district in the area uh, who needed a different place a better space to do summer camp uh, and they found this property on the Platte River in, near Fremont Nebraska and uh, they they bought it uh, in on February in February in ni- 1958 and uh, it's just been growing ever since then um, I've been there three and a half years as the executive director my role is uh, not actually at camp most of the time. I do develop our staff. I do help out with uh, things at camp now and then. But my role has me in the community more so. Donors, church relations, okay, that kind of thing. Tell us a story about a kid that came to camp and the camp made a difference in his or her life. Is there like a when you think of that, is there like a poster child that pops into your head? Uh, not one per se, uh, but I'll tell you what, there was a theme this summer of kids standing up on Friday mornings at chapel when we let kids share testimony from the week, and they would say over and over again, you know, I came here for fun, but Jesus got a hold of my heart oh, wow. this week, and I'm leaving here with uh, you know, a newfound faith or a newfound appreciation for my faith walk, and I'm going to be more committed to it going out uh, this year. Um, so, and and then you know, I mean, you know, you, you think about if you want to talk numbers a little bit. We had uh, our biggest summer ever this summer. Really, one thousand one hundred sixty-eight kids came through Camp Rivercrest. Nice. We had one hundred and fifty-eight first-time commitments to Jesus. Best we can count. Yeah. Uh, and a whole bunch more that recommitted and just said, hey, I, I need to do uh, a little more with my faith right now. So, uh, I mean, it's just a blast to be a part of the ministry because uh, when you get in a place like that, right, you step out of your normal, your normal pace and place of life, you slow down in community, hear the gospel, be around a bunch of Christians, talk about, you know, and think about more deeply than you normally do because you're not as distracted as you normally are things of faith and about the gospel itself, you can process it, you can respond to it. And so we have this uh, amazing place, and then we do these camps and these, you know, the Lord moves in it. We like to say, uh, the Lord is always speaking to you, but you can hear him better at camp. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? And no, so now I got a question for you. I don't know the answer to this. A lot of questions I asked on this podcast, I know the answer to, <laughs> but this one I don't. Can't wait. What do you do with these students and their phones? Is there a rule? 
Absolutely. What's the policy? There is no phones at camp. No phones. Now, I'm not saying there's not a delinquent parent who doesn't stick it in their kid's bag and say, if you need it, it's there. I like that. He calls the parent delinquent, <laughs> not the child. That's or, great. Or, you know, call me every night kind of thing. So we have, and so we'll take it. If they, we tell them you get, one time you have it out, one time you put it away. Second time, we're going to take it and, and bring it to the office and keep it safe. Uh, but you, you literally, because of that, that's one of the major distractions in our lives now, right, is these supercomputers in our pockets that are dinging and buzzing at us all the time. It's and what people are listening to your voice on probably Probably right now. Right now. They can be very <laughs> useful, right? Yeah. But they also distract us an absolute ton. And so we don't have the quiet time. We don't have the um, extended uh, focus times even. It's a book I just listened to called Stolen Focus. And mm. uh, it's amazing. And our culture is in an in a interesting place with all these things. But anyway, so you, you put all that away and you come to camp and you really can, you know, focus in on the things that matter most. And that's our mission statement, honestly. Uh, we say most people struggle to focus on what matters most. We create the space to focus on God and each other. And creating the space equals uh, a few different things. There's a physical place. We create that space for people to come to. But uh, there's also time space that you're creating when you come on a retreat or go to summer camp. So you've got this extra time. And when you create that time in that place, you create space in your head and heart to hear from the Lord and process things. So we're just trying to create space for people to focus on the things that matter most. So if there were a pastor who wanted to, uh, some of their kids to go to summer camp, but they don't really go to summer camp as a church, you know, they haven't done it, and they were going to maybe look at some camps, what are some things with a camp that you would look for if you didn't run Camp Rivercrest? Right. And you know what I mean? What what makes a yeah. good what makes a good camp for kids? Well, there are lots of great camps around the country. You know that that uh, people can go to. But I would say to start with, it's got to be biblically based, right? You want to make sure that the the gospel message is going to be clear. It's not going to be overly emotional and all that kind of thing because this is uh, uh it's not where we're headed with all this. We're not trying to coerce people into faith because that won't last. So it's got to be biblically based with a clear gospel presentation. Uh, it's got to be safe. You know, there's got to be a, some protocols in place. There's got to be uh, a lots of uh, caring adults and young people. You know, we hire a bunch of college students every summer and train them for 10 days before we even let campers come on site uh, to make sure they're going to do a great job with, with the campers. So you got to have um, a great core team, a great uh, seasonal staff that are going to be helping keep people safe throughout the throughout the camp time. Uh, so those are a couple of big ones for sure. And then, um, you know, it's got to be fun. I mean, <laughs> if you're not having fun at camp, probably not doing it right. Um, so that's a big one too. And, and so, you know, see what they've got going on for activities and, uh, what other kinds of fun things they got planned, but that, that, that's top of mind. So you got to look at the activities. You have to look at the layout at, at the camp, right? At the site. What do you look for in a, in a good camp? Like what, it, like you walk around the camp. What is somebody who doesn't know anything about a camp looking for? Sure. Well, obviously you want to have lodging that makes sense for, uh, the age group you have for the, uh, number of kids that you have, depending on how rustic you're okay with, uh, right? It's going to be uh, have more or less dirt and be more or less uh, clean. Um, and so you want to make sure, though, that they're taking care of the facilities, not completely run down. And, uh, you know, your your dining hall, you got to serve food that uh, is safe and, and uh, at least somewhat healthy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Meaning yeah. not full of sugar constantly, sure. right? But um, got to get some protein and things. But 
Uh, so that's a big part of it. Uh, then you've got to have a, you know, ideally you've got a good meeting space. Uh, but you know, during COVID we met outside, you know, we, there was, it, it was actually mm. fantastic. We yeah. met outside. Uh, we do have a chapel. Uh, most camps do have, have a place indoors to meet, but, um, we were blessed with some good weather for a couple of years, actually met outside for a couple of years. It worked out great. Those spaces are, are important. And then, uh, you know, yeah, again, you get to the activities, you go, well, you look around, is there um, is there is there a pool? Is again not that any of these are make or break, but these sure. are things that add to the yeah. experience. Yeah, because I you know I wouldn't know necessarily. Like I'm not in the Christian camping sure. department, right, and I, right. I don't really think a lot about that. Yep. So as a pastor, if for instance uh, last week I went into my youth pastor's office and I said, "Hey, are you all set for this missions trip next year?" He goes, uh, "What did he say?" He said something that was. That was a little bit indefinite. It wasn't definite. And I looked at him and I said, yeah, but but it is happening. You you are doing the missions trip. That's like, that isn't a question. That's a statement. You are doing. And we started talking about it. And he's like, yeah, for sure. We were saying, we don't have one summer anymore to throw away when it comes to missions trips because they so change a kid's life that if you miss a summer, it might have been the only summer that that kid is able to go on a missions trip. Right. And it's life-changing. The same can be said for a Christian camp because when a kid goes there for a week and turns off their phone Mm -hmm. and has this positive peer pressure, has great role models in front of them, usually their counselor is going to be one of them or another counselor. There's always going to be counselors that impact those kids' lives. And we, we we really don't have, we don't have any buys anymore. Because you never know when a 2020 could happen. And literally, did you do any, did you do camps in 2020? Were you able to get by? Uh, we were. Uh, we did about half our camps in 2020. And okay. we invited families to come the other half of, of the summer. So June, we invited families to come out, but we had to cancel all of our camps that we had planned. And then in July, we pretty much had our camp, but they weren't nearly as full as they normally are. Um, but we, we survived, uh, that summer and the next one felt a little more normal. And then this last year was, um, I mean, again, it's our biggest camp ever in the history of Rivercrest. So, uh, people were ready to get back out. So Andy, say a pastor has not been sending his kids to a camp. Nobody in church has been sending their kids to camp, but they actually have kids. And what are some things that a pastor can do that kind of can convince parents, hey, this is maybe something we should do? Because, you know, if you haven't been somewhere, you can't really appreciate it. You can see pictures from other people, but until you actually go and experience it. And so parents who have never experienced it, what can a pastor do to convince a group of parents in his church that, hey, summer camp is the way for us to go this summer? If you think through with parents what they're hopes are for their kids, right? A lifelong faith is going to be one of them. And having a moment like a camp moment, like a mission trip moment even, right? Whatever those experiences are where, again, you get out of your normal pace and place because you're too busy and distracted in that time. That's why these, these, they're so powerful, mission trips and camp trips. Uh, and we, and like you said, we don't have time to waste. I would talk to these parents about that. These years are ticking off faster than you ever thought. Hmm. So what are you going to do to make sure these kids have lasting faith? How, how are we going to cement that in for them? Well, it's church on a regular basis. That has to be part of your rhythm. But also, I think these additional, some people call them mountaintop experiences, which uh, is partially true at least, 
that we're going to we're going to go away to a place that's going to be uh, a real memory for me that solidifies something that I've been thinking about and talking about a little bit week to week and then I get away and have a chance to really think about it some more and it solidifies that. So if if you're a pastor trying to convince a parent to do something like this, it's uh it's about the time you have, the voices that that um aren't them, right? As kids grow up, they lose influence, parents do. Yep. And sending yep. them off to camp or having a rhythm of sending them off to camp. We have so many kids who return to Camp Rivercrest over and over and over. And every year they get a new voice, a new speaker, a new cabin leader, counselor, who all these people investing in their kid's life. And uh, that's going to have a, a really big impact over time, especially. But even one time potentially could just be life-changing, transformational. And if you're a parent who wants that kind of thing for your kid, then th- these are the places to send them. We, yeah. don't, we don't have time to waste. And you've got four young people. Have your kids been involved in summer camp? They have, especially since I started working there. Yeah. Um, and, and then before that, you know, it wasn't camp per se, but there was the student conference. It was the mission trip. It was whatever was offered. Um, and then we've added camp to that as, as we've gotten into this uh, ministry as, as a role that I'm in uh, as a profession. So uh, they love coming to camp. Uh, it, it's, it's uh, you know, being the executive director's kid, you know, sometimes <laughs> you, 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 uh, you have to just play dumb sometimes you know but <laughs> uh but uh, they do great and they do love it and now they're working there my oldest worked there this summer uh and uh was a was an activity leader and so that was great my son uh who just graduated helped out in the kitchen several times and um, my other girls are, are looking to work there at some point as well so speak to the impact that a week at camp or you've had your kids go on missions trips speak to what kind of impact have you seen with your kids or kids that you know that have been close to your family with either summer camp or missions trips or like some kind of a service opportunity compared to Wednesday night youth group, Mm -hmm. Sunday morning, Sunday school, if they have it. Yeah. I mean, one of the big things you get, again, is the time. And if your youth leader or your kids ministry leader is with you on that trip, the amount of time you get with them you'll never get that back all year, right? I mean, an hour or two on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night uh, just doesn't compare. The And the kinds of things you're doing, right? And it's, it's kind of the in-between times are so impactful between the program times, I mean, on, the, on those trips, right? And we set those up and those are important, those program times. But it's the in-between times that make, that often are some of the best memories. You come back with those relationships and actually, it solidifies uh, the, the relationship so much that potentially you're you're listening more, you're connected more to that person or those people, uh, and and not, not just the leaders, but then all your friends. You made new friends. I mean that if you're looking for for your kid to become more, or or, or the kids in your ministry uh, to be more uh, connected, find find new friends, be challenged in new ways, grow. Uh, that's a that's a you know that's the perfect place to do it, uh, but then you get so you, your worldview, especially on like mission trips and service opportunities, your worldview changes, hmm. and that worldview—that's that, that is it expands right because you're probably going somewhere you you don't normally go. It's a culture you're not used to, even if it's in your town, right? But it's it's someplace you don't normally go to in town. Uh, you have to, your your eyes get a little bigger. I mean, literally, probably initially, but then uh, you know, metaphorically. 
you your your perspective changes. I mean, I I remember talking to kids coming back from mission trips saying, uh, I mean, it's the simple things at first. Uh, I didn't know people lived that way, or you know. But mm. then then you go. I remember a kid telling me one time, you know, I ordered my Big Mac without tomatoes, but it came with tomatoes. But this time I just ate it because I mean it was way better than what they were feeding us down in the mission trip and what other people experience that all the time. I live in America and have this great food. I think I can deal with some tomatoes. I mean, that's a little thing, but yeah. it's a big thing, right? And they'll translate that to other parts of their life too. I mean, and, and there's just story after story of things like that uh, that, that you pick up on trips that, you j- again, you just can't get from, uh, from the day in and day out in your normal context. So you said it's the in-between times when you're on a missions trip or even when you're at summer camp. I heard somebody say recently, it's the space between the notes that makes the music. I like that a lot. Right? That's really That's exactly good. exactly what you just said, though, really. Yeah. yeah. And you said something that I have been saying for probably 25 years, maybe 30, is that a, a, a missions trip is better than a year of Sundays. Right. It really is. Yep. Because you can't make those kinds of connections. You have some weird thing happen on a missions trip. And I remember I was with a kid, Joe Pry. Joe and I were in this cargo van in downtown Seattle. Now, he grew up in the Albany, New York area, and that's where I was his youth pastor. And he and I are in downtown Seattle at night in a cargo van, and we'll just leave it there. And there was other stuff that was going <laughs> right. on, but we were on a missions trip. And those kinds of experiences are are lifelong yeah. memories. I could call Joe today, and he's in his upper 30s probably. Maybe he's even 40. I don't even know. And we could talk about, you know, the night, and yep. the, what stuff we had to do with that cargo van, yep. if it was running. And just, yeah. So that's, I love right. that. Yeah. Yep. That's the, you can't, you cannot manufacture that. You cannot program that. Uh, it happens in between and those relationships are formed and they're with people, you know, again, if in, in that context or with people that a parent and a, and a, and a pastor can trust, they're, they're going to take care of their kid. Uh, and, and you just, there's no, there's no replacing it. Nothing like it. So I just met you. I mean, we've kind of known of each other, known each other somewhat. But we just bumped into each other tonight, right? And I basically stuck a microphone into your mouth, <laughs> said, "Hey, we've got to talk." I didn't know that the conversation would go in this direction, but now I'm thinking about pastors of smaller churches who might they might want to say, uh, "Our church isn't big enough to do something like that. We don't really have that many kids." What about a church that's got a lot of older people? Let's say they don't have any kids. Mm. Let's say it's a church of 35 people. And everybody's over fifty. What do you have to say to challenge those people to have an impact in your world? Yeah, could they really just say, "Oh, yeah, no, there's nothing we can do. We don't have any kids. Don't worry about us." Well, that's uh, that's a little short-sighted, probably, because okay. there is some things you can do. Uh, I mean, being connected to that camp could could have many form, forms or fashions, but you know, praying for them, whether you've been to the camp, know the people or not. If there's a, a camp in your district in your denomination it doesn't matter if you know of it you can be praying for it and and finding out what they do just through the internet uh and and being praying at strategic times 
uh, together on Sunday mornings, not on Sunday mornings. Then, of course, you could visit the property. You could talk to the people who run the camp, see what you could do to volunteer. Uh, to to Old people uh, volunteer at Christian camps? All the time. Really? Do you have, like, older people? Yes. It's not all do. just teenagers. That's right. Yeah, they come out. They they help us out with the grounds. Uh, they help us out with the cleaning. They help us out with uh, even with mentoring some of our uh, college students. They're looking okay. for mentors. I mean, we could get that set up. Uh, there's there's opportunity that way as well. Uh, of course, you can always give. You know, camps are looking for uh, finances. They're nonprofits. They're trying to make ends meet, and they're trying to advance whatever they're trying to advance. Um, and so there's opportunities that way as well. But I bet most camps would be more interested in you coming and volunteering and your prayers than your money. Hmm. But uh, all three of those things would be great ways to get involved. Uh, so, yeah, volunteer teams are, are huge for camps. And they could sponsor a kid. They're, so I'm glad you said that because I had that thought earlier. If you don't have kids in your church, there are still kids in your community. Yeah. And you could find those kids, talk to their, uh, if you know, maybe it's a, a cousin or a parent of somebody, find a kid you know and sponsor them to go to camp. I mean, that could be literally the thing that changes their life, the rest of their life. And then that person would have, that kid would have impact on others. I mean, we talk about a lot at our camp that it's not just the impact of that one summer or that on that one kid that one time, but then they're going to have an impact on others and it just spreads and we won't know until heaven when, you know, what the impact really was, and that's going to be fun. I get so excited about this. I just did, in fact, I was showing somebody, and I'm going to pull it up on my phone. I just did a podcast episode on my other podcast, and the title of it was, What If Your Significance Arrives Long After You're Gone? Hmm. So I could picture a small church of, say, 35 people that are all 50 or 60 and over. And they begin talking to people in their families and in their neighborhood, and they find two or three or four students to sponsor to go to summer camp. And then these students become believers. They accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, and their life gets changed. And then 50 years from now, they've been 25 or 30 years in ministry, and now they've got kids who are believed, you know, you know what I mean. Yep. And the generations get changed. Right. Isn't that a better story to to write about your church than? Oh yeah, we don't have. You know how many small churches they lament and they have low self esteem because they feel like they've got no youth ministry. Right. But with a Christian camp, they could literally generate their own impact. On a young on the next generation, life. yes, a hundred percent. I I sometimes talk to people about the ministry that's happening. They're maybe trying to start some age group ministry, and they think that the only way that they can call it ministry is if there's a gathered group of those people in their building. Yeah, that's yeah. not the case at all. I mean, college students are on college campuses. You can have ministry there. Camps, uh, you know, community things that are happening, community centers. There's lots of places and ways to do ministry that don't look like that age group gathering at that place. And by the way, it doesn't have to be by age group exclusively. We actually know through the studies they've done now too, right? Like intergenerational relationships and faith relationships are what help the next generation keep their faith a long time. So a church of 35, uh, 50, 60 plus people, uh, age group people, 
can have a huge impact on that next generation by just investing relationally or helping other kids get to places they couldn't get before or being creative with a ministry opportunity that doesn't look like what people normally think of traditionally uh, as, a, as a youth ministry or a kids ministry or what have you. Uh, and by the way, don't rule out those 50 and 60 year olds going to camp themselves as a group. Hmm. We, we just had um, a retirement community come out to camp, spend the night, and do some activities. They did, some of them did the high ropes course, Jeff. Really? And it was so fun. They did the zip line, the high ropes course. They played games in the lodge. They ate the food. They hung out. They had a blast. And it was super fun to have them. And more people could be doing that that just have ruled that out for themselves or their group. And none of them doing the high ropes course, none of them fell to their demise? None of them, not a single one. <laughs> you you didn't lose one, huh? Not, not at all. I never have. That is so funny. And yeah. so what do you teach when, like, is there something that you teach or you challenge? I'm like, what's the thing with the high ropes course? What's the point? Yeah, I mean, there are lots of ways during the camp session that you can relate back to faith, uh, back to Christianity. Uh, you know, for high ropes, there's a lot of... Um, Taking a leap of faith. I mean, we literally have a thing called a pamper pole. It's it's you climb up on top of a pole and you jump off and try to hit a ball. It's like twenty five feet in the air, um, and it is a leap of faith, a literal physical leap of faith. Uh, but that can translate, right? Well, the thing you're doing, by the way, is you're putting a lot of trust in somebody else to not let go of that rope, not let you fall, as you just mentioned. This never, scares me to death, by the way. We've, we've never, <laughs> you should do it. It's, it's really, I, yeah, I did it recently, uh, a couple of years ago, actually, with, with a college student that I, I only kind of trusted. <laughs> and, oh. And uh, she didn't, you know, let me fall. So uh, that trust gets built. And because you're trusting that person, you're taking a leap of faith. Then later you're hearing about Jesus. You know, it's, it, it feels like a leap of faith, but you trust the people who are doing it. And so there's a comparison just right there going off the high dive. You know, it's a leap of faith. It took some guts. It, it took some people encouraging you to, to, to go ahead and not go back down the ladder. Uh, you climb the climbing wall and you've got to say, hey, they say, hey, put, try putting your left foot on that rock over there. And, and you do it and it works, right? And so there's this community aspect uh, going on. I mean, it's just all over the place. Uh, by the way, we just laugh and have fun and play silly games. And, and God's not a, a God who just is up there with his arms crossed, right? He's having a blast, I think, too. So uh, it's it's that is just an indicator that this life of Christianity, this life of faith is not going to be boring. Um, uh, so anyways, all that can come out and it's, it doesn't always all get talked about. It doesn't all get articulated, but it's, it's all there and it's all happening. So you're just like a, these, you know, your title camp to write, whatever. It's like, it's a glorified game, game captain is what it is. You probably flunked out of youth pastor school or something. Like, where did you even go to college? <laughs> well, because I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and because I was scared to go where my friends weren't going, I went to Calvin College with my friends. Okay. I studied sports medicine. Oh, okay. I, was, I thought I was going to be an athletic trainer. God had different plans, and so I ended up uh, going right into ministry with Young Life, uh, and then uh, started working at a, a church, and, and then uh, a Christian school, and now camps. So. Okay, so, yeah. and you taught. You did some teaching? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I, I worked at Nebraska Christian College for five years. Okay. We were trying to help students who graduated with a ministry degree actually get jobs in ministry because yeah. they weren't. 
Yeah. And so we developed a residency program and we developed a scholarship uh, kind of leadership program uh, that I ran that was, uh, anyways, it was it was fantastic. And long story short, it worked. There was a bunch of kids, like 23 out of 25 kids got jobs before they graduated from Was there a guy school. that was kind of in charge of that? There, there was. What was his name? Dave Miller hired me. And and we together were doing that for a while. I think Dave Miller was on our podcast. I wouldn't doubt it. I think he was on the Two Hundred Churches podcast. Maybe the maybe the second year we were doing it. Leadership Pathway is his organization. Yeah. We he, we took all those principles and he used them over Leadership Pathway outside of higher ed. Okay, and it's going it's going like gangbusters. Yeah, that's neat. I love that part of uh, my career, and I love trying to develop leaders no matter where I go and at camp we're doing the same thing and uh, in fact looking for more ways to develop people as leaders through that context because there's a lot of opportunities there too. Okay. So you've had to think a lot about the camp. You've got to think about development. You've got to think about finances. You have to think about the the physical site. You've got to think about improvements over time. Yeah. You have to think about staffing. You have to think about governmental regulations health forms, insurance, all that kind of stuff. But you do all that, what's the bottom line for you? What what really what floats your boat when you think about Camp Rivercrest and what it does for the kingdom? Obviously, the first thing is souls saved. I mean, that's why we're in it. Um Every now and then, um, you know, we get to be a part of a baptism from somebody, and that's always a win. Um, we like to send kids who are, are wanting to be baptized to their local churches. And that's where we think really should happen. Um, but every now and then, there's a, uh, the right thing, and some people come out to camp from the church, and we kind of do a thing in the pool, and it's fantastic. Uh, but Soul Saved is, is really the, the, the first thing about it. But then, you know, there's a bunch of kids who recommit to their faith, uh, whether they came once or several times. Uh, that's that's huge, too. Um, you know, it's easy to lose your way in this busy, distracted, uh, over-media-filled yeah, sure. world. Um, and so I, that's right behind it is people going, hey, kids going, I, I, I remember what I committed to now, and I need to be— um, paying more attention, you know, to that. So, I mean, all of that faith development, that growth, spiritual growth that's happening, that's the, that's it. That is it. Um, that's, that's what floats my boat. And there's all these other little offshoots that are just fun to be a part of. It's just like, uh, I get to be a part of it and I, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. I love it. And are you administrative? Highly. Highly. Relational and, I mean, I have to be administrative. Yeah. I preferred being more relational, but uh, there's a lot to, you know, a lot of sitting behind a screen and, and doing emails and things, but a lot of sitting across from people like you talking about camp too, in my, in my role uh, to, you know, community relations and, and church, uh, church involvement and again, donor development things. But uh, it's, a, it's just fun to talk about because it's, uh, it's camp, A, it's just fun. Uh, and, and B, uh, every, you know, everything's going very well right now with Camp Rivercrest. We're advancing in a lot of ways. And it's just been a blast to be a part of what God seems to be doing through Camp Rivercrest. And you just keep trying to say, God, what do you want us to do next? How should we approach this? And he's just, uh, we're just having fun together. What's the web address for the camp? Yeah, you just go to camprivercrest.org. 
and uh, you'll find everything there from uh, who our staff are and um, the history of camp to uh, how to have your event there if you want to rent their place out or, you know, it's a summer camp and all the sessions. Uh, we're about to list uh, the new camp fees and open up registration on November 1st, so that's coming up soon, but uh, camprivercrest.org is the place to go. And from how far away do kids come to this camp? We're pretty close by. I mean, 45 minutes to an hour probably is really uh, the draw. We're mostly from Omaha. That's the biggest draw. Okay. Uh, we uh, have plenty of um, folks from Lincoln that could be coming. There's so much room for growth from that. But again, we're pretty well maxed out, actually. Um, we had 197 kids on a wait list this year. On, oh wait, on the wait lists uh, for different camp sessions. And so we're trying to find some more housing as quickly as we can. And they um, weren't able to come? Couldn't come to camp because there was no space. Oh, man. So it's heartbreaking in a sense. Uh, I mean, it's great. It's a great problem to have. But uh, we need to find more um, more housing for them. And then we need to find more cabin leaders. That's the next hurdle. Uh, just because we have a place from the state doesn't mean we have somebody to lead them. Yeah. Um, and so that that recruiting effort starts as soon as camp gets over, and uh, we're we're doing everything we can to find the right kids that can you know are in college that can come help lead these campers, and uh, that's something to be praying about because that is that's the linchpin of camp going well is that yep. seasonal summer staff that we hire every year. So. Uh, that's that's key. That's all on our website too. If you want to check out, um, you know what it's like to be on summer staff or how to apply, it's all there at the at the website. So you have campers that come year after year. Have you had some college students or summer staff that come summer after summer? Yeah, there's there's kids that have spent up to four summers in a row uh, doing that. A lot of them do one, sometimes two. Uh, we like to have, ideally, we'd like to have about fifty percent second time, you know, summer yep. staff and 50% first time summer staff. Uh, so, and we, uh, we increase pay for second year and third year, uh, and leadership kids. And so, um, yeah, they come back as, as often as they can. They, once you come once, you kind of gets in your blood and you love it. Yeah. But of course, you know, there's, a, it's a season of life where you're training for lots of things and trying to figure things out. But, um, you know, getting a second summer from a summer staff is huge and a third would just amazing. But, uh, yeah, they, they come back, uh, if they can. It sounds like you're successful. You're having to turn kids away, and so that means there's some success there. So I want to encourage, if you're listening to this episode and you're like, you know what, I've had I've had a chunk of money that I wanted to invest so that there would actually be a return on it. I had a cousin who lived in New York City, and she worked with philanthropists, really, really uber-rich people, because they would say, I've got $500 million and I want the biggest bang for my buck. Where can I give this money around the world? These are the things I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about hunger, you know, literacy, healthcare for children or for moms or whatever. Sure. I'm concerned about clean water. And she would literally, she would pipe, pipe tens of millions of dollars a week from the hands of the philanthropist into these needy. So if you've been sitting on some money, uh, maybe you've even done some estate planning and you've got some money that you've got plenty going to your family, but you've got a chunk and you're like, where, where could I give this where I would actually get kingdom investment? I think Camp Rivercrest would be a great place to invest that kind of money because you're catching kids when they're at the beginning of their life, right? Absolutely. And their it, lives change. We we know that people who give their life to Christ mostly do it before the age of 18. 
and that's the segment we take. Uh, we have we have summer camp for kids anywhere from coming uh, going into first grade through going into twelfth grade. So that entire time, right? They could be coming to camp and having life transformation experiences. Uh, and so, yeah, it's 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 critical, and we don't have any time to waste. I right, mean, it goes by in a hurry, uh, and uh, you never know when they're going to be. Their heart's going to be fertile ground, you know, for for the gospel. Uh, so it's it, it. I don't know of a place you're going to get a better bang for your buck than a camp, uh, or you know, I can speak only to Camp Rivercrest, and uh, it is it is a really big and really good kingdom, just a sound kingdom investment for sure. Uh, and we, you know, we we do. Yep, legacy gifts. We can take stock gifts uh, now through our endowment fund, um, and all that should be on the webpage as well. That's exciting, Pastor. If you're not into the into the Christian camping world, that's a whole world that you really should look at. You should think about investing into. And I'm not talking about money right now, but just talking to your people. And if you've got an older congregation, there's you can still. We talked about how you can have an impact. And if you've got kids in your congregation, you should be uh, allocating part of your budget to sending kids to summer camp, a good summer camp. So if you're anywhere around the Midwest, you said November 1st, 2022 is when registration opens? Yes. Uh, that's our usually our early bird rate. You get 10% off. And then in December, you know, will be kind of the normal $99 deposit because you have okay. to pay in full to get that early bird rate. But yes, November 1st is when and you can And it's first looking. come, first serve. It is. And we aren't, we do, uh, you know, by, by camper, not by church. So like any okay. parent or grandparent can sign any kid up in that age range, you know, for the right session of camp. Um, so that's kind of how our camp versus, you know, versus churches getting a bunch of kids and going yeah. to a camp. So uh, anybody out there who wants to send their kid to Rivercrest, uh, it is first come, first serve, and it will sell out. Yeah, it will. You know so, it will. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. So, so don't, uh, don't wait. So, Andy, you've been around pastors a lot. You've talked to a lot of them. You visit with a lot of them. Would you just give a few words of encouragement? What, what Off the top of your head, yeah. I'm just throwing the ball into your court. What do you have to say to pastors, particularly pastors of smaller churches? Well, small church pastors are some of my heroes because there's not a lot of notoriety. There's not a lot of money. Sometimes you don't know if you're getting paid that week. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, you know, you, you stay with it. And that, that's what I would, I would encourage them to stay with it. You are having an impact. Sometimes you can't see it. Sometimes you don't know where it's happening, but it's happening. And you are you are literally uh, keeping people's faith. Sometimes you know uh, they're just keeping in touch with their faith through you and your messages and that community. Sometimes that community is all they have, hmm. and you're the one uh, you know kind of leading the charge on that. Keep after it. Do not get discouraged. We need you to stay in the game. And we need you to develop the next generation too. Hmm. Uh, there are a lot of rural churches where where uh, a lot of some a lot of people are like that would never I could never do that, uh, but they can, and they need you to call them to it. By the way, so uh, identify a young person who has ministry potential and let them know that you see it in them, and then call them to it, and then give them opportunity to exercise it. And that will be as great a legacy as you could leave just by what you're doing as a pastor. I'd encourage you, I'd encourage you just to keep after it. Thank you for doing what you're doing. It matters a lot. It matters more than you know. And I would encourage them uh, as, as a kind of a next step to identify a young person who has ministry potential and then and, and call them to it and give them opportunity. I've said some of those things before, Andy. 
but they'll believe it better when it comes from the guest's mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I feel that. So again, it's CampRiverCrest.org? It is. All right. Perfect. Andy, thanks for joining me tonight. I appreciate it. It was an absolute blast. I'd love to do it again sometime. Thanks for having me.